0: communication social media promotion and business leadership let's do it this is the author to authority podcast and now your host the extraordinary word ninja kim thompson pinder
1: welcome to the author to authority podcast i'm your host kim thompson pinder and i'm so excited to announce that in august We will be having the 400th episode of the Author to Authority podcast. And in celebration of that, I have decided to do the top 25 episodes of the Author to Authority podcast for the whole summer. And we will celebrate the 400 about mid-August, so there'll be a couple of episodes after that. And I chose these episodes because they were the ones that I just personally felt were the ones that gave tremendous amount of value. That were going to help you as an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, a coach, to move your business forward. These were value packed episodes that are just going to give you action steps that are just going to really propel you to the next level. So I'd love for you to sit back, relax, and enjoy this top 25 episode. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And I think we are in for quite the interesting conversation today with Donnie Bovine. And he is an entrepreneur and serves as the CEO and founder of Success Champions and the Success Champion Networking. Donnie's considered one of the leading global minds on sales, business development, and business growth. He's the first person to make sales and business development relatable and human. Now, Donnie's a community builder at heart, and he loves to build champions. Today, he helps small businesses owners, small business owners. It's one of those tongue tied, -tied. leverage sales and business development to grow and then scale their success champion network. Oh, I just read that really badly. Let's try (laughs) that one again. Yes, even someone who's done over 300 podcast episodes can mess reading up a bio. So Donnie is a community builder at heart. He builds champions. Today, he helps small business owners leverage sales and business development to grow and then scale their business through the Success Champion Networking, Badass Business Summit, Champions Table Masterminds, and the Champions 90 Challenge. In addition to all of that... (laughs) Donnie runs a full working farm with goats, chickens, ducks, turkeys, and geese. His podcast, Growth Mode, ranks among the top podcasts globally, and he is a five-time best-selling author and highly sought-after public speaker. Welcome to the show, Donnie.
2: Well, thank you, Kim. I should have just cut you off and said, "Let's get instead of going through all that stuff, let's, let's get after it." But but thank you so kindly for for reading all this. A little banter before we jump on, it been fun. So I'm looking forward to hanging out with you.
1: Me too. Me too. So Donnie, I know we're going to focus on you don't have a sales problem. So I'm really interested to hear your perspective on that. But since this is your first time on the Author to Authority podcast, and hopefully not the last, I would love for you to just take a few minutes to introduce yourself and share a bit of your business story. How did this all come about?
2: Sure. So I did four years in the Marine Corps, 20 years as a straight commission sales guy, turned 40 and realized I'd spent my entire life making everybody else wealthy and was even found myself in a situation where somebody told me they were grateful that I was their retirement plan. I decided that it was time to chase my own dreams and jumped out at the age of 40, launched my company found out that I had an international non-compete. So I wasn't allowed to speak, train, do anything. And the only thing I knew, which was sales. So my first year of business was a self-proclaimed success coach, which I have no idea what the hell that means. Uh, but I can tell you that I spent a... Oh, and guys, I'm going to do everything in my power to not use profanity on this. So so I will keep it very clean. But if you don't like profanity, don't go listen to my podcast and everything because we go full out there. But my first year in business was literally a series of spending... well over a quarter of a million dollars on coaches, consultants, programs, courses, trying to build a business. And we almost lost our farm in the process. My wife's Jeep got repossessed. She had to go cash in her 401k to save the farm, get her Jeep back. And she told me at that point to get off my butt and go sell. And I'm sure she
1: wasn't thrilled with you.
2: (laughs) No, no, it was a heck of a conversation for sure. I wasn't living up to my end of the bargain by any stretch of the imagination. And, yeah, I found podcasting in April of 2018, launched my first show in May of 2018. Five months later, that show was number 22 in the world. My non-compete came up in September of 2018, and now I could talk about sales. So year two of my business was, let's see how much we confuse the world because, was I a podcast company because of all the success, or was I now a sales company because that was my background? So it took me about two and a half years to finally get dialed in. We launched Success Champion Networking, changed how the world networks, and now, five and a half years later, I'm the CEO of three companies, have won the top podcasts in the world with Growth Mode podcast, and we get to interview some of the greatest names in the world. And then five best best-selling books, as you said, and a partridge in a pear tree.
1: <laughs> almost literally, right? Because right. you have a farm. You almost literally have a partridge in a pear tree.
2: Yeah, Right now, I have 15 baby goats sitting out back that we are raising right now. So, yeah, full, full working farm.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. You know what I really liked about your story there, Donnie, was the fact that you were very honest in how long things took you and the areas where, you know, it didn't work out quite the way you thought it was going to work out.
2: Yeah, no, I would actually even go so far to say is I didn't know – the expectations are,
1: mm-hmm. but I
2: did tell you that two and a half years to finally get to a place where we felt like a business was a business. Mm-hmm. And I don't even challenge that maybe closer to three years in is when things really started turning up until that point. I think I was still focused on creating a crappy job versus trying to build a company. And because, you know, I think that would
1: be a whole podcast episode in itself.
2: Yeah, I it absolutely could because, you know, the way I can look at it is I spent 20 years as a straight commission sales guy, and I would have told you I was free, independent, set my own hours and everything else. But at the end of the day, somebody was still telling me what to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: now here I am running a company. There's nobody telling me what to do. There's yeah. nobody saying, hey, go this direction. This has got to be done by this time. It's all self accountability. So I think the greatest tool in the world for personal self discovery is to build a business.
1: Yeah, you got that one right. And I, I think too, you know, now not only did you not have someone telling you what to do, but now you were a hundred percent completely responsible for
2: everything that happened. Yeah, for sure. And the beautiful thing about that is at some point well, I can't say this for true for everybody. so I'll, I'll just put it on me. I got to a point where I ran out of excuses. And you know, when you're Amen. a P it's really, really simple to Blame the economy, blame marketing, blame leads, blame what's happening in the social world, right? You know, you can blame it. And they're legitimate excuses. They're excuses still, but they're legitimate. I mean, you can actually say those things. When you run your business, if your marketing sucks, go fix your marketing. If the economy sucks, go figure out a pivot, right? You know, you have no choice but to dig in because if you use excuses, you'll lose everything. And once I got to a point that there was no excuses left... The only thing I had to do was start fighting. And I can tell you that day I told my wife that we were about to lose everything. That night I went up and looked myself in the mirror and I did not like the dude looking back at me because I realized my entire life was a series of good enough, a Mm -hmm. series of just showing up. And now I was finally in a position where I was going to have to see what I was made of and I wasn't sure I could actually handle it. And I think that's what stops a lot of people from building the business they're trying to get after is they're not willing to see what they're made of. So they're going to continue to yeah. do good enough. They're continue to figure it out. And I hate the phrase figuring out, because if you just figure it out, you're actually trying to shortcut the learning. You know, there's no figuring it out. It's do the work, put in the action, do the time. This isn't the hustle and grind stuff. No. What I, and every time I say this, people come at me and I'm like, look, I'm not talking about hustling 18, 20 hours a day. I'm simply saying I run a full working farm. On my farm, my goats can't let themselves out of the barn every morning or feed themselves. I have to go let them out of the barn. I put them out in the pasture. I have to throw the grain and hay down. Every night, those goats, I got to put them all up. I got to put the chickens, the geese, the turkeys all up. I don't get a day off from taking care of the farm. People should treat their business the same way. And it's not the hustle and grind. It's do the work until the work's done. Every morning, I got to go take care of the farm. Every evening, I got to go take care of the farm. So, So it's not about working yourself to the bone. Simply about doing the work until the work is done.
1: Well, and I think it's about doing the right
2: work. I agree with that 100%. 100%. Right.
1: But if you're not, it doesn't matter how hard you work. If you're not doing the right work, you're just spinning your wheels. Well, and to take this
2: back to sales for you to help bring this back full circle, sales is the hardest thing in the world for 99% of the population. There's only one percent of the population that actually really enjoys embraces and love sales, and everybody else just wishes business would magically show up and fall on their lap. You know they're like they're like, "Let me write a book, that'll be the thing. Let me do a YouTube channel, that'll be the thing. Let me do a podcast, that'll be the thing. ooh, let me write a blog, and they're doing all this stuff, hoping that business is just going to go, "Hey, look, where have you been my entire life?" Because they don't yeah. want to go do cold reach outs. They don't want to go do networking. They don't want to go get involved where with people that they have a chance. And by chance, if they get into a conversation with somebody that should be a sales you know, move, now they're like, ooh, I don't want to feel like that greaseball salesperson and ask somebody to do business with me. So they just turn it into a social meeting. And then they look up every day going, why the hell am I still broke? Yeah.
1: You know, it's funny. You talk about figuring it out. You know, as a kid, I stood out because I was half black, half white, and I looked more black than I do now. Had full black afro. I chemically relaxed my hair to get it any type of manageable. <laughs> and I was a head taller than every other kid. And I was the only kid without a mother. My mom had died when I was four. And, you know, all of those things made me stick out like a sore thumb. And I decided at an early age that probably the best thing that I could do was to become invisible. So I became perfectly just slightly above average. Yep. And I just blended in. Now, I mean, I never really blended in. I mean, I always but stood out. In, but I tried to make good. myself just be invisible.
2: Well, and I think you just described 99% of all the business owners that are out there that are trying to build a business, that are trying to get out there. It, you look at most of these business owners and you're like, okay, Cool. Which social media platform are you dominating on? And they're like, yeah, I don't do that. Cool. Where are you networking? Yeah, I don't do really do networking. You know, where are you selling? How are you selling? What's your pipeline look like? How are you growing a business? And truthfully, most of the people don't want to build a company. Yeah. They just want the freedom. They want the ability to create their own hours and just have magic money appear out of nowhere because they really just want a job that gives them freedom not responsibility. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you know what? That's so true. And, you know, I had those look in the mirror moments like mm. you did. And I finally realized, and I mean, it, it was 20 years into the journey. I'd been an entrepreneur for 20 years, struggling for about, well, almost 20 years at that point. And I finally had to look in the mirror one day and said, Kim, you can't be afraid to shine anymore. You can't mm, be afraid to stand out. You you have to let the world see you if you're going to if you're going to get the success and the freedom and all those things that you wanted and it was it was hard and but it's been been a journey that's been completely worth it and now I can't say I don't experience some of the things you're talking about because every once in a while I go through those periods where I'm like Mm -hmm. Oh, I really don't want to work today. Maybe I work today. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Right? We all do. But I loved how you how you put that. Because it's truth, and well, if it, people can accept it, it will change their business.
2: And so, I love that you said that because here, here's here's the 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 hard truth about that. I think that you either decide to get in the game, take the hits, do the screw ups, learn from the screw ups, and get after it, or you get start to get after it and you hit rock bottom so hard that you start to fight. You either pick though, you either pick the path where you take the hits or you aim towards rock bottom. Otherwise you're going to live in the mundane, mm. right? Because the people that are just showing up, going through the motions of building a business, like it comes to building a business. You've got to do sales. You've got to do operations. You've got to do delivery, right? You've got to do business development, marketing. You've got to do your finances, right? These are all portions of the business. And yeah, that's all you
1: have is a hobby.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what most people are trying to create. They just want enough money coming in, doing the minimum amount of work that they possibly can, which there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to just be a solopreneur making just enough money that we to live that lifestyle. Like, if you can build a solopreneur business where it's just you making a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars and you're comfortable there with no overhead, no responsibilities of employees and stuff, if that's all you really want, then go build that and quit saying you should build this big company. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people are fighting with themselves of what they actually want to achieve right? They're not thinking about if I build this big company, all the employees and the issues and the things that may come along for that. You've got to want that lifestyle to go build that lifestyle. So if, if the solopreneur game is yours, then own that game. And yeah. then let's go build that business and get focused on that business. But you're still going to have to sell. You're still going to have to put yourself out there. You're still going to have to do all the things to get to 100000 hundred thousand, two $200,000 business. You know, Donnie, I think you just said something that
1: I think it's going to set some people free. I think there's you know, I think sometimes we listen to gurus, so called gurus, and they 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 tell us which way we're supposed to go and how we're supposed to build a business. Yep. And what you said was correct. If if you want to be a solopreneur making a hundred to two hundred thousand a year, then be a solopreneur. That there's no shame in that. You're not any less an entrepreneur. And to be honest, a lot of the headaches that go with everything else you don't have because the only person you have to be responsible to is yourself and maybe
2: your spouse. Yep. Yep. That's it. And, you know, a lot of people left decent jobs or they were fired from decent jobs and they found themselves in a situation where they couldn't find work. And now you got to start a company or they were the crazy ones like me that left corporate America to launch their own companies and figure it out. I think people just haven't decided on the lifestyle that they actually want to have mm-hmm. to be able to build their business around that lifestyle. And this is one, this is another one I get freaking haters at all the time. This one of the ones that people jump on me the most. There's no such thing as work-life balance when you're running a business. There's only right? There's there's only work-life integration because yeah. If you're trying to be one person running your business, one person running your family, you're going to lose because it's all going to be combined. That means a business is your livelihood. And so if if the solopreneur lifestyle is with you, then you can try and look for that so-called work-life balance. Mm -hmm. But I would rather people ask the question of why does there need to be separation? Why do they need to turn off one and turn on the other? I love mm-hmm. talking to my wife about the business. She doesn't care a whole lot about all the ins and outs but she lets me talk about it. She gives me great advice, you know, all the time on it. And she knows this is what's supporting our lifestyle and the things we do. She knows all the employees, you know, and and the likes. She never says, "Hey, let's turn off the business for a little while." She knows I'm not yeah. going to be able to do that. She lets me go. And and I think people want to I've had people look at me straight in the face go, "When do I turn it off?" And I'm like, "Turn off what are you trying to turn off? And if you're trying to turn off anything, it's trying to turn off the person you don't like that you're being. Yeah. Go fix that. Go work on that and actually like the dude in the mirror. And that'll take care of a lot of it.
1: You know, it's funny you say that. Cause like, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. I've been an entrepreneur since my kids were little. And you know, we just learned that there was times that mommy needed to work on her business when the right. kids were little, but Even with my husband, you know, we've learned to work things out. He knows that there's times that I might have to work an occasional evening. Now, you know, I think I think life balance can be a consideration because in September of 2020, I ended up in emergency three times between September 2020 and April 2021 with my heart racing at about 180 beats per minute. And they basically told me that stress was killing my heart. So we worked a little bit on work-life balance a little so, bit. <laughs> so
2: please, please don't, don't take any health risks, because of what I'm about to say. How many employees do you have?
1: Uh, I have freelancers, so cool. probably about 10, 15.
2: Cool. Of those freelancers, how many of them are taking the things off your plate so you can just go be the face of your company? Well, that is still a work in progress. So that's that's the whole thing here. So as a CEO of a company, your your job mm-hmm. is to be the front man, is to be the face out front. And what gets most people so stressed out in building a business is they're still working it like a job. And I don't mean I'm not busting your chops here by any means. By any no,
1: means. no. This right. is something that I, you know, mm-hmm. this is something that this is the goal for me. Yep. And I'm not there yet. Yet, but I'm about, let's say about 50% towards that goal of of being more the front person in the business.
2: So what I tell most people is you got to hire way before you're ready. And I do. Right. So so my COO and co-founder of Success Champion Networking, Kevin Snow, I found him because I was working on some email stuff and I couldn't afford to bring him on but I brought him on. He's now worked his way up to the COO, co-founder of everything, and he runs the whole operational side of all of our companies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we constantly are finding ourselves in a situation of, all right, this is the next asset we got to bring on, this next person we got to bring on. Where the hell are we going to come up with that particular money? Oh, well, we're going to figure it out as we go. And I hate the phrase figure it out because there's no game plan behind it. But every time we've hired the right person, yes, yes, The right person we've dominated. And what I've found is more often you bring in that right person and they can take all the good stuff that needs to be taken off your plate. Where most people screw up when they hire. And this is the biggest screw up is they hire somebody to take something off their plates. So I'll use a prime example. I just hired a young 19-year-old kid named Lou to take over all my YouTube on the back end. So I can just show up, record videos, and he does everything else. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Love it. And um, what most people would do in that situation is they would hire a guy like Lou to take over all their YouTube stuff. And then they were like, cool, now I can go work on all the podcast stuff. So they're replacing the activity with the same level activity and it's not an activity that actually grows and builds a business when you hire somebody, whatever the things get taken off your plate, mm-hmm. you've got to fill that time with activities that'll actually grow your business, not yeah. operational crap yeah, right and but most people they're so used to working mm-hmm. inside their business they replace it with another working inside their business activity versus what happens if I spend that entire time being out on stages, being out on podcasts, you know, yeah. outselling, going to networking versus I get the pushback, but if I'm not doing that work, the work doesn't get done, then you hired the wrong person. Yeah. So you've got to replace the activity with something mm-hmm. that generates money. Right? You're preaching the truth there. <laughs> I just want to give a big Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Because we don't know better as we're going through the business, right? Mm -hmm. We know as we worked for other people, you didn't pass work off to anybody because if you passed work off to anybody, it made it look like you didn't know how to do your job. Yeah. So anytime you pass the buck or you got somebody else to do it, you were quickly making yourself obsolete. So you just kept taking on more and more and more and more. And that's why when people get fired from companies, it takes four people to do their job because one person just kept grabbing all the things. And now they're trying to do that inside their company and grabbing all the things. And all they're doing is stunting their growth because as they're the only person that can do it, that's a job. That's not a company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it is truth. And, you know, when you're building the business, sales has to be one of the biggest things that you focus Mm -hmm. on. Because to be honest, if you don't have money coming in, you don't have anything else.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know, you started off this episode with talking about you know, you don't have a sales problem. So I'll, I'll teach that really, really quick. And nobody does. I'm willing to bet that 99% of your listeners, they can sit across from the right person, have a great conversation. They can figure it out. And usually a good deal happens. And it's a win for both sides of the table. And it's a fun conversation. Most people don't struggle with that conversation. Mm -hmm. What they struggle at is getting to that conversation. Yeah. So sales for me is that final sit down at the table. Let's decide if we're a good fit for each other and see if we should do business together. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything else is business development. So what people don't like is they don't like the prospecting. They don't like the reach outs. They don't like the networking. They don't like picking up the phone and calling people. They don't like the email. Why? Because that's where the real work happens. And the only reason people don't like the stuff is because we've dealt with so many crappy salespeople over the years. That only thing that most people know is what's happened to them. They've never studied sales. They've never researched sales. They've never you know, looked at sales as a skill to be learned. And that's all mm-hmm. selling is, is a skill. Yeah, Nobody is born knowing how to skill. Now, some people may be born with a more extroverted personality or maybe born with some more like leadership type abilities. Mm-hmm. But the art and skill of selling is a skill. Yeah, and, true. you know, I've done thousands, well, probably just over a thousand, you know, sales calls in my career. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, there's not too many things that somebody can ask me on a sales call that I haven't heard before a couple hundred times. Yeah. Because in a given situation, there's only so many things people can say. So, so what I would tell people is however many months, days are left in the year, I want you to aim to get into 100 conversations with people that can say yes to you because. Yeah. It's It's having those conversations, legitimately, genuinely asking for the business if it makes sense and getting told no. And it's not about chasing a no. It's about having the courage to know that that no doesn't matter. And it's not some will, some will, who's next or whatever that saying is. It's the ability of going to learn your process of selling. Yeah. How do you reach out? How do you start the conversation? What specific yeah. questions do you ask? And once people start running, you know, learning that this is a skill and it's something they get to learn, and have fun with. God selling gets so much fun because now well, you're just playing. And, with it. and the
1: no is not a rejection either. I mean, that's the other side of the coin, right? People are taking these no's as if being personally rejected, and their their self worth is, you know, being affected by these no's and. I used to be that way. And, and then I got to the point where I realized no is just part of the process.
2: Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. And here's a way I want you to think about it from a different perspective. So I look at every conversation I have as a sales call. I don't care if I meet somebody new at the small town fair, right? Every conversation is a sales call. So if every conversation is a sales call, I'm not trying to qualify anybody. I'm 100% trying to disqualify if I want to do business with this person. And if people start looking at it, it changes the dynamic of the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. You know that you need to find out can they make a decision? Do they have money? You know, all those things. But my most valuable asset is would I have a cocktail with them later? And if I wouldn't have a cocktail with them later, I don't want to do business with them because in a service based business in particular, you're going to spend a lot of time with that client. Yep. And if you don't like that client, don't offer to do business with them. Because we've all had clients that we were like, why the hell did I bring this client on? Yeah. You know,
1: and uh, that's usually in the beginning when you're desperate and you yes, just take on any yes. business because you need <laughs> money coming in. And then you hit the point where you're like, yeah, I just don't want to work with those people anymore. Like I'm done. So I hit that point. Like when I first started ghostwriting, I just took on jobs because I needed the money. Yep. And then I hit the point where I was like, well, I ended up working with two people, I believe, that had mental health issues.
2: Yeah. We've all Let's done
1: that. That was an interesting experience. Yeah. You know, so I do a little bit more research on people now before I <laughs> yeah. decide to work with them for the next year or so. <laughs> but
2: the beauty of that, and I think, you know, for a lot of people, when you're in those early stages, yeah, you've got to say yes mm-hmm. to way more things than you care to say yes to. And I think that's a beautiful experience because that's how you learn who you don't want to work with. Yeah. And I think there's more value in figuring out who you don't want to work with is so you can get dialed into who's that ideal person you want to work with.
1: Yeah. And once you have that dialed in, it doesn't take long for you to figure out whether that person fits that, fits that mold or not.
2: For sure. For sure.
1: Like it allows you to very easily not discount people in that they're not worthy or, you know, but discount them in terms of working with them.
2: For sure. And, you know, my my favorite move of all time is always finding somebody who's coming up behind me, building a business similar to whatever my company is and going, you know what? What I do, we're not a good match here, but I know exactly who is the person that can help you do what you need to do. Yeah. And you pass them off and you go help somebody else behind you with somebody that, you know, needs that business. Maybe they're 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 still coming up in the business and they'll take it. And it's not about dumping a bad customer on it. You're actually legitimately helping them figure out what their business is.
1: Well, sometimes like I'm I'm a publisher, I only publish certain types of books. We are a very niched down company. So when someone comes to me wanting to work on their book, but they're not within the frame of what we do, I have other publishers, some more established, some newer that need the business and would like to work on those books.
2: For sure. Yeah. People always get hung up on the idea of niche. So uh, two seconds on niche. Everybody says you should niche for marketing. You should niche for whatever. There's only two reasons you really need to niche. Number one, by getting to a singular niche, you become referable. So the fact that you have your niche or whatever it is, your author space that you're doing for your publishing stuff makes you the referral most best suited. When somebody hears, hey, I've got a book that's in this X category, which category do you do? I mean, Areas are your books in? Uh,
1: nonfiction books that were written by consultants, professionals, Beautiful. speakers, and coaches.
2: Right. So, so if somebody comes and says, "I'm trying to get a cookbook published," Kim's not going to get the call. But if it's a coach trying to get their their book out there to teach the world, Kim's going to get the call because she's sitting in that particular niche. So mm-hmm. you become highly referable. But the real magic of niching is figuring out how to scale your business. So we'll yeah. take Amazon. What was Amazon's first business? I think it was books, wasn't it? It was, right? So they sold books. And they were so smart to pick, we're just going to sell books, that that's where they learned the process of online selling. Mm. And they built out all the things of how somebody could list a book, sell a book, right, and get that all built out. Once that was built out, they went after toys. Mm. And all they did is took all the processes and systems that they'd already built – and move to the next category. And that's how they were able to figure out how to put all the toy businesses out of business and, and take that, that model. Most people come with this servant's heart of, I want to serve and help the world, mm-hmm. and it's a surefire way to go broke because one, you're confusing the marketplace with who you need to work with. Yeah. Right. So, so if there's another company it's quest nutrition and quest came out when they started their company, they sold health bars to the competition weightlifters. So it was competition bodybuilders. Mm -hmm. So there's a big me heads in the gym and they had to be competing. And it was the only people they sold to. And the reason they did that is they wanted to figure out the process to sell these bars. And then, so there's a cool story behind the scenes of them, you know, going to these things, and they couldn't even give the bars away. Nobody wanted them. So they had to learn to talk about the bars and tell the story and what's in them and, you know, Right. And once you get this all dialed in and you start figuring out, then from there they're like, huh, wonder if we can go after the female bodybuilders. So they start going after the female bodybuilders. And then from there they started going after the gyms and right. And they built a billion dollar company on the idea of let's get this segment right. Let's get this niche dialed in and right. So we can then go after the other niches. And that's when you can ultimately scale. Cause all of the processes stay the same. You're just turning the focus onto more and more niches and dial take you know, all those processes Mm -hmm. and reduplicating them, you know? And so, so if you're struggling to get the growth in your business, Mm -hmm. narrow that focus down so you can be more referable and focus very specifically. Okay. If it's coaches, how do I find them? How do I get in the conversations with them? What's that sales conversation look like? How do I onboard them? How do I treat them so successful that they introduce me to my next Mm -hmm. clients? Right. And you dial that whole process in and it's a beautifully scaled process.
1: Wow, Donnie, we are at times up and I had a couple more questions for you, but I think, <laughs> I think we'll just have you back another day.
2: Cause That'd be fun.
1: I think you and I could have a very long conversation and keep this going, but. I do try to keep these episodes to around 30 minutes for our audience. So, Donnie, if people have enjoyed today's conversation, how can they connect with you?
2: Yeah. So, the best thing you can do is you can text the word success to 817 318 6030, and we'll send you a 45 minute training. It's all free on me teaching how to create an endless stream of referrals in your business. So, you text the word success to 817 318 6030. And we'll send it. Of course, we're going to ask for your email, but we'll send it right over from there.
1: Yay. Thank you so much.
2: <laughs> uh, my honor. And guys, do me a favor. If you sunk around with us this long and you hung with me and Kim and you got any value out of the show, do her the honor of sharing this episode out with one person. Having my own podcast, I can tell you one of the toughest things in the world is building an audience. So if you get any value out of this, share this with one person for it. It's literally like you walked up and gave her a virtual hug. It'll mean everything to her.
1: Oh, you got that right. (laughs) Well, this has been Kim Thompson-Pinder and Donnie Bovine on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now.